Anania, and a mission organization was started of which I became a part and I was a part for many years called Romanian American Mission. I was privileged to be a part of some of the activity that was going on uh, there and in 2012 we were gathered for a semi-annual meeting in Brandon. Uh, we were staying at the La Quinta Inn in Brandon, not far off the interstate, and as we would often do at night in the lobby, people would gather in the lobby and they would fellowship with one another as we were waiting for our meeting the next morning and after everybody finished talking to Brother Bob because everybody wanted to talk to Brother Bob, I went over to talk to Brother Bob because I wanted a little spiritual advice. And I talked to him about my journey and how to know God's leadership. And he said something to me that I have never forgotten, and it's the title of this message tonight. He said, Eddie, when God lifts the mantle of leadership, it's time to move on. I knew what he meant by that. He was saying, well, when the Lord lifts the mantle of leadership where you are, if you're the pastor of a church, and the Lord lifts the mantle of leadership, you're not the leader anymore, and you should seek to go wherever God leads you. Well, can I ask you a question tonight? Has God lifted the mantle of leadership from your life? Did God tell you it was okay to retire from leadership in his work? Did God give you permission to surrender what he called you to be or called you to do? I, I raised the story of Bob Jackson to you because I want you to see how and when God lifted the mantle of leadership from the life of Joshua. Every true believer is on a journey. All of us, we're, we're on a journey together as a church. You're on journeys together as a family. But each one of us is on an individual journey. It's a journey of following God. In the book of Romans, Paul said it's a journey from faith to faith. And on these Sunday night, you and I have been talking about faith crossings. Now, a person's first, first faith crossing is the moment they begin to follow the Lord Jesus. Uh, if the journey ends there, surely we are living something less than the life that God intended for us to live. Uh, so he intends for us to spend our lives following him from one faith crossing to another until he lifts the mantle of leadership. So in the 23rd chapter of this book of Joshua, Joshua begins the process of releasing the mantle of leadership that he so faithfully carried as it had been passed to him from Moses. But I remind you that faith crossings are never finished until God lifts that mantle. And when he does lift that mantle, it's time to move on. But to what and where? That's something that only God can tell you. So Joshua's earthly journey is coming to an end in these final two chapters of the book of Joshua. His final faith crossing into God's presence is near. And that final faith crossing began with, and here's, I guess, point number one in the message, acknowledging where he was in his own life. You know that's a moment that has to come. If we never see where we are in life, we're never going to be able to move from where we are to where God wants us to be. We have to acknowledge where we are 
in our journey of life. If I'm 25 years old, I'm early in my journey, hopefully. If I'm 75 years old, I might be later in my journey, but not through. God's purpose is not finished. How old is too old to make a faith crossing? Well, I remind you that Joshua, like Moses before him, was well past 80 when he was called by God to lead the nation in a faith crossing across the Jordan River. He didn't consider himself old through the first two decades of conquest in the promised land. Decades beyond his 80th year, Joshua made one faith crossing after another until God finally lifted the mantle of leadership. Now let me reflect on what we've said about these faith crossings as we've called them. A faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. It is you moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It's a faith crossing because you're trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. And the journey will always be uncertain from the day you begin it until the day you end it. And you'll have to trust God along the way. Faith crossings, as we've seen, often result in the extraordinary activity of God. That's one of the things that I saw in the life of Dr. Bob Jackson. Wherever he was and whatever he was doing, there was something about the extraordinary activity of God that was involved in that effort. We saw that faith crossings fail when sin places a roadblock between us and God. When we repent of our sin and return to God, we position ourselves to experience anew the extraordinary activity of God. Faith crossings are never based on our dreams of what we will do for God, but on promises that, uh, concerning what God has said about what He will do for us. Faith crossings, as we looked at the life of Caleb last time, model faith to later generations. It teaches them to trust God and follow God and expect the extraordinary activity of God. Those who make faith crossings do so with confidence that an overruling hand of providence guards and guides our lives. In other words, God's sovereign over our journey. God is in control. God is going to take care of me if I step out in faith and follow God to do what he has called me to do. He will take care of me from start to finish. Some of us have found that to be true. You've probably found that to be true. And what I want to show you tonight is as we begin to finish up our journey, those of us who are nearing the end of our journey, we need to be telling our story. We need to be leaving a legacy that others can follow in our footsteps so that they can have confidence to follow God when he calls them. So we've come to Joshua chapter 23, and I want to pick up in verse 3, and we will read from there. Joshua says, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. 
See, I have appointed to you these nations, which remain as an inheritance for your tribes, with all the nations which I have cut off, from the Jordan even to the great sea, toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them out from before you, and you will possess the land just as the Lord your God promised you. Remember, your faith crossing, the day you make a step of faith that God has called you to make, that serves as a catalyst to people who are watching your life. It serves to prompt them to make faith crossings of their own. And I've illustrated that to you time and time again, that when someone makes a step of faith, there is someone else who will follow in response to that person. Uh, And so here is Joshua, as he's nearing the end of his life, simply celebrating the extraordinary activity of God. He's reminding these people of what God has done and how God has worked, reminding them that it would never have happened had it not been for God, that this extraordinary activity that's gone on in and around their life has been something that only God can do. Now, can you identify anything extraordinary that God is doing in and around your life? Can we identify anything extraordinary that God is doing in and around our church? If not, maybe we're not taking the steps of faith that God wants us to make. Maybe we're not taking those steps of faith as individuals. Maybe we're not taking those steps of faith as a congregation. In Joshua's own faith journey, we see that he experienced not only success but failure. So in preparation for his final faith crossing, he reminded the next generation of what they needed to cling to and of the things that they needed to let go of. And that's true in all of our lives. I found the process of following God to be a process of letting go. Have you ever noticed that? The process of following God is a process of letting go. It's a process of learning what is truly important and learning what is unnecessary baggage that will weigh you down in your journey. Let me begin now in verse 6 of chapter 23. Joshua says, Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you don't turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left so that you will not associate with these nations. These which remain among you are mentioned the name of their gods or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. Now look at verse 8. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done this day. For the Lord your God has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to fight, flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Love him. And in verse 8, he says, cling to him. That's what you cling to. Look at verse 12 now. If you ever go back and cling, same word, 
to the rest of these nations which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Failing to follow God, failing to cling to God, and instead clinging to the sinful practices of your culture will short-circuit the extraordinary activity of God in and around your life. Failing to cling to God and clinging to the sinful practices of your culture will short-circuit the extraordinary activity of God in and around your life. Over the years, we've moved several times. As a matter of fact, when we lived in Hamilton, we lived there 19 years and four months, and we probably moved five times. There's a story behind that, but we moved one time to... When we first moved there, we moved again three and a half years later to get away from a family of skunks that had moved under our house. And so it was journey, our whole journey, the whole time we were there was like that. But every time we move, we find something that we've been clinging to across the years that we simply don't need. And we have to learn to unclutter our lives by giving things away or throwing things away that we don't need anymore. Now, there are some things that you hold on to forever. Those are the things that are precious to us. They may not have value to anybody else, but they're precious to us. And it's just one of those principles that holds true in every life. You do the best you can to cling to that which is precious. If you cling to sin, whatever sin it is, in your life. You do so because it is precious to you. It has come to hold a place of value in your heart. God warned his people not to cling to these nations. Don't count them as precious. Don't count their ways as precious. Rather, cling to the Lord. Let the Lord hold the place of highest value in your heart. Verse 11, so take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Joshua said, cling to him. If that's the priority of your heart today, it'll be the priority of your heart tomorrow. But if you go into tomorrow, clinging to anything else or anyone else other than God, that, determine, that will determine your future. What happens or fails to happen in your life in the future will be determined by the place that you give God in your heart today. Now, what are we saying? Well, here's Joshua. He's making, he's about to make his final faith crossing. It's just the way life is. One day I'll make mine, one day you'll make yours. And so as he realizes this, what he's doing is he's taking time to celebrate the extraordinary activity of God but not only just to celebrate the extraordinary activity of God, but also the incredible faithfulness of God in their journey. And as we do that, we inspire others to follow God and make faith crossings all their own. So as Joshua prepared his final faith crossing, he in verse 14 of chapter 23 points them to the incredible faithfulness of God. Look at 14. He says, Now behold today, I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word 
of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled. None of them has failed. There are times when we just need to stop and, and celebrate God's faithfulness. You know, on Wednesday nights, sometimes we, have, we give uh, the congregation an opportunity just to share some good news. Is there something that God has done in your life? Is there an answered prayer? Is there a word of testimony? And we need to share those things. We need to share our spiritual markers and, and say, this is what God has done. And as a church, you need to celebrate your spiritual history, what you've experienced God do, because if you don't, you don't leave a legacy for the young people to follow. You don't leave a rich spiritual history for them to follow. You don't just leave, need to leave buildings and properties. You need to leave a spiritual story, a spiritual history of what God has done and what he, he's doing. So when God called his people out of Egypt, you remember that Moses was the leader then, and Joshua was just a young man, young in terms of he was probably somewhere around 40 years old. Joshua had no idea what was on the other side of the Red Sea, or even if they could cross it. But I can hear him saying these words, and these are the words we're going to move now to chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. I can hear Joshua saying these very words when they got ready to cross the Red Sea. He said, I think he would have said, at least to his family, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now those words come from us, come to us from Joshua on the last day of his life. This is the last day of his life. I know you know these words. We sing them in church. Brother Doug has us sing them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said them on the last day of his life. I'm suggesting to you that he said them on the last day of his life when he was 110 years old because he said them at 40 years old. He looked at his family in the tent when they were getting ready to cross the Red Sea without knowing whether it was going to cross or not. Let everybody else do what they're going to do. But we, family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're following God. We're going to trust God. And so then came the moment that, that Moses sent him as one of 12 spies to look over the promised land. And as you know, 10 of them came back. They saw no promise in the promised land. But Joshua came back saying, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Anybody else can do whatever they want to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll do whatever God wants us to do. We'll go wherever God wants us to go. This was a commitment that Joshua didn't make on the last day of his life. This was a commitment that Joshua made all through his life. And then after 40 years in the wilderness, they had to spend, because they didn't obey God, they, they spent 40 miserable years in the wilderness waiting for the opportunity to go into the promised land. And one day God speaks to Moses and he says, Look, you've stayed at this mountain long enough now. It's time to go. 
And Moses gathers the people up and he says, God says it's time to go. And Joshua says, as for us, me and my family, we're ready to go because for me, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And then when it came time to cross the Jordan by faith, remember, somebody had to lead the way. Somebody had to take a step of faith because God comes to Joshua early in this book of Joshua and says, now you, Moses, my servant, is dead. You get up and you lead these people and you cross this Jordan. And Joshua would have said to God, God, you know my heart. As for me and my house, we're going to serve you. We're going to follow you. We're going to go forward by faith with you and do whatever it is you want us to do. And so here is Joshua, knowing that time has come for him to surrender his leadership of this band of people and to follow God into an unknown horizon. He didn't know what's ahead for him, but he knows who leads him. And he says to them, he says to all this, this, these people, he says, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, you do whatever you want to do. You make your own decision. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here was a man who had a commit, this kind of commitment to God in his heart as a young man. And when he died at 110 years old, he was still making that commitment. What, I'm, what am I saying to you tonight is simply this. Your final faith crossing should find you challenging other people to follow God and trust God wherever he leads and should find you ever ready to follow into whatever unknown God should lead you. So the book of, book of Joshua concludes. We won't look at all the scripture with them making a new commitment to be on mission with God. Joshua has inspired them. They're ready to be on mission with God. They make this commitment and, and uh, they, they, you, you might remember when they crossed the Jordan, they took a stack of stones out of the bottom of the Jordan and they stacked it on the land. They took a stack of stones off the land and they stacked it in the bottom of the Jordan. Although nobody could ever see them, God would see them. And Moses, Joshua said, this is our spiritual marker. These stones on the bank of this river marked the spot when God called us and we followed by faith and God parted the waters. And here on the last day of his life, you find that they erect a stone as a spiritual marker. Joshua says, we're going to mark this stone here. This stone is going to mark the moment of your commitment to the Lord to begin a new series of faith crossings. Joshua said, I'm not going to be here to go with you. I'm not going to be here to lead you. I'm telling you about my own commitment. I'm telling you about the extraordinary activity of God we've seen. I'm telling you about the extraordinary faithfulness of God that you've experienced and I'm challenging you now to let this stone be a perpetual reminder to you of the commitment that you're making today. So I'm asking you, will you seal your own commitment to the Lord tonight? And I'm suggesting to you, I'm showing you Joshua, I'm showing you this commitment that he made, that we sing, as for me and my house, was not a commitment that he made on the last day of his life. It was a commitment that had followed him all the way through his life. It was the commitment that enabled him to make faith crossing after faith crossing after faith crossing because he had said in his heart, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 27 of the 14th chapter, Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness 
against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they buried him in his own inheritance. Joshua led them until God allowed him to lead them no longer. God lifted the mantle of leadership, and it was time to move on. I told you about my dear friend Bob Jackson who expected and experienced the extraordinary activity of God. And that night as we stood in the motel in Brandon, Mississippi, and, and I quizzed him for advice about my own spiritual journey. And he said, Eddie, when God lifts the mantle of leadership, it's time to move on. And I knew what he was talking about. I knew the stories in the Bible, like with Elijah, when Elijah was caught up to heaven and his mantle fell and it was time for a new leader to come along. The next morning... Bob Jackson, you've heard me tell this story, I'm sure, walked into the room where we were to have our meeting. It was just a Sunday school room in the, uh, at Brandon Baptist Church, and some members of the board was already there, were already there. I was not there. Bob had his, little, had his little cart, and he had his vision and his satchel on his cart, and he walked into the Sunday school room uh, with a new vision for the mission organization, and as Bob walked into that Sunday school room, God lifted the mantle of leadership, and Bob Jackson fell dead and went home to glory. Now, I want to tell you that was a haunting thing for me that night to have talked to him that night before I went up to my room to go to bed and before he went up to, room, to his room and go to bed to have him tell me when God lifts the mantle of leadership, it's time to move on. Well, I want to also remind you that whenever God lifts the mantle of leadership, it always falls on someone else. There's a wonderful story in the Bible I've already mentioned. It's the story of Elijah. Elijah on the last day of his life. The Bible says Elisha came and wanted to travel with him, and he said, you, you don't want to travel with me. Elisha said, oh, yes, I do. I want to be with you every step of the way. Even some of the other prophets, they said, you, you don't need to be with him. He said, oh, no, I want to be with him today. And there was that moment when the Lord came, sent a chariot. Somehow, I don't remember the whole story or a whirlwind or whatever it was. And Elijah was caught up to heaven and he was gone. And out from the clouds, falling out of the sky, came the mantle of Elisha, Elijah, and what did Elisha do? He picked it up, he went to the Jordan, he struck the waters of the Jordan because that's what Elijah had done before they got there, and he said, where is the God of Elijah? He raised the question because Elijah had trained him to expect the extraordinary activity of God. And when Elijah made his final faith crossing, Elisha was ready to make his. That's just what I'm saying to you about our church and this generation of leaders that we're bringing up along the way. They need to see us taking steps of faith. 
Only then will we and they experience the extraordinary activity of God. And as we share our stories about what we see God is doing and they're they're enabled to see what God is doing, then they will have the courage to follow God into the future. But it's going to be because some of you, some of us, don't wait until our last day to seal our commitment with God. Joshua said this on his last day, but it was the story of his life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray.